0: If you are smuggling a child, then we will prosecute you. And that child may be separated from you as required by law.
1: Welcome back to Recused, a podcast by Reckon Radio about Jeff Sessions. I'm your host, Amy Jurkinen. On this third and final episode, we're gonna look at one issue that defined the last part of Jeff Sessions' career, immigration. But how did a senator from Alabama, a state with relatively few foreign-born residents, become a leading crusader for stronger borders? Last I checked, only three states had fewer immigrants per capita than Alabama. If the invasion is coming, it's not headed here. And yet, immigration could define much of Jeff Sessions' political legacy. So in a quest to figure out why he's so concerned about immigrants, I spoke to people who worked with him and searched newspaper archives. I wanted to determine whether something happened in his career or his life that brought immigration to the top of his agenda. Sessions, as U.S. Attorney and State Attorney General, spent most of the 80s and 90s fighting public corruption and drugs. He had other high-profile cases, such as the lynching of Michael Donald in Mobile and voter fraud in Perry County, but you don't see much about immigration from those years. That changed after he was sworn in as a U.S. Senator in 1997. Here's his former chief of staff, Armand DeKaiser.
2: Early in his term as senator, we visited Gadsden, Etowah uh, County, and this, the Border Patrol—what they called at the time, Border Patrol—had facilities to hold illegal immigrants that had been captured from around the area in the southeast, and they had like 70 beds set aside for for border patrol. Sheriff and the local officials were talking about what a terrible problem it was with all the illegal immigrants in the area taking jobs of other fellow Alabamians. And we came back to Washington and we looked into some of the border patrol funding issues and why the state was not and how the state was involved, how the border patrol was involved. and is that, That's my recollection of when he really became, when it became a political issue for him.
1: DeKaiser couldn't really put his finger on a single moment when immigration became a big issue for Sessions. Looking back through the archives, I found another possibility. In March of 2000, an undocumented immigrant from Mexico raped a woman in Gulf Shores, Alabama. The crime happened during spring break when vacationing students filled the beach. The perpetrator was a 19-year-old construction worker from Hidalgo, Mexico. The victim was a 43-year-old woman. And the crime triggered quite a bit of political action. At the time, Alabama had just one INS special agent, which is what they called the agency now known as ICE. That one agent was overwhelmed with work. By comparison, Georgia had 51 agents at the time, and South Carolina had five. Senator Sessions was in his first term in Senate, and he began pushing for more immigration resources. The Baldwin County rape case could have been prevented if immigration enforcement had been tighter, said those who sought increases in staffing. So at first, this issue seemed to emerge because Alabama lacked the same resources as other states. Sessions seemed focused on immigrants who commit crimes, even though statistics quickly showed they represented a small minority in Alabama. In 1999, Border Patrol apprehended 3,292 undocumented immigrants in Alabama. Only 44 had committed crimes. That's a little more than one percent. According to DeKaiser, his interest in immigration may have had less to do with crime than economics.
2: I've never heard him say there was one thing a that click. That's what made me concerned about it. But as I've, just, as I've sort of watched it over the years, it started then, and it's, and it's sort of grown with Americans losing their job to foreign competition, not just illegal immigrants, but other nationalities taking American jobs. Particularly, he grew up in a rural county where jobs were scarce, and you know, losing a job to someone not from the community it was hard, but he saw that as a difficult situation.
1: Still, Sessions' advocacy brought quick results. In June of 2000, five special agents arrived in Alabama to identify criminal undocumented immigrants and remove them from the state. The federal government also announced an $8 million expansion of the Etowah County Detention Center. Jeff Sessions presented the check himself. The money added hundreds of beds and supplied local law enforcement with new revenue from the federal government. Still, as an origin story for his immigration position, it seems pretty thin. This wasn't major news, and it was only one case of criminal activity. But it got results, and it seemed to play well on the campaign trail. It was the beginning of a career thread that would eventually lead to family separation, one of the most controversial immigration policies in recent history. It also really is the first time that immigration appears prominently as an issue Sessions cares about. A little more than a year later, terrorists hijacked four planes on 9-11, prompting a federal overhaul of the immigration system. President George W. Bush and Congress created the Department of Homeland Security and changed the INS into ICE. This capped a decade of incredible change in the South. The region had not typically been a hotbed of immigration, but that started to change in the 1990s. Here's Isabel Rubio founder and executive director of the Hispanic Interest Coalition of Alabama, or HICA. From basically starting in the early to mid-90s,
3: and a lot of that had to do with just the cost of living was low and the economy was strong and there was a lot of construction going on. There, were, uh, there was a lot of building being done in the Atlanta area because of the Olympics. And so immigration literally said to the Mexican government, we're turning a blind eye because, you know, Atlanta needed to get built for the Olympics. And so there was spillover in this area, but the economy was strong in our country. And so immigrants came here. Primarily at that time, it was men single men coming and leaving families behind, but after 2000, you know, as men settled, people would would come, but that wave of immigration, of Latinos coming from sending countries, Mexico, um, let's just say Mexico, was the first time that they began to come directly to the southeastern United States before going somewhere like California, Texas, Chicago, New York, Florida, what have you. And so that was this whole big phenomenon. Um, And so it looked really different
1: and really got on people's radars in a way that made people feel, I guess, like they were being overtaken. In North Alabama, towns like Russellville and Albertville saw huge influxes of immigrants from Mexico and Central America who came to work in chicken processing plants. They breathed new life into some of these towns, but they also changed them in ways that unsettled many old-timers. That's when people in Alabama began to take notice. The number of foreign-born residents in Alabama tripled between 1990 and 2000, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, although it was still less than 80,000 people. With this in the background, in the summer of 2001, President Bush suggested granting citizenship to millions of undocumented immigrants. Some Republicans supported the plan, but not Sessions. In 2002, when Sessions ran his first race for re-election, immigration came up in several stump speeches. Sessions called immigration enforcement a joke. He said the federal government should streamline training to allow local law enforcement to enforce immigration laws. Cameron Smith worked in Sessions' office while he was a senator. He said his boss saw the issue through the prism of principle,
4: when you had millions of people in the country without legal status it created a situation where the solutions were much harder to come by and so his perspective is seemed to be this is a very large problem there are significant numbers of people here they're competing with citizens in the united states um, for jobs for a lot of things and he saw it very clearly as we need to enforce the law we need to treat people fairly, but particularly those who decided to come through proper channels into the United States, it was uh, pretty common for us to talk about the folks who were following the system, went through a much more laborious process that did need to be reformed, but folks who did not and either overstayed a visa or came across the border um, were jumping in line, and again, it goes back to rule of law and sort of the fundamental fairness of the process.
1: Sessions' position put him on the wrong side of big business and some establishment Republicans. But it played well in Alabama.
4: I think one of the things that ended up was a clash between the, we'll call it the big business community and grassroots conservatives. I believe at the time uh, there was an ad by, I don't know whether it was the chamber or some businesses about just open borders. The idea of a lot of businesses have an interest in cheap, available labor. Um, that's reasonable in terms of economics and people understand that. On the other hand, you had grassroots conservatives saying, wait, well, wait a minute, we've got a process here. You know, we want to be able to compete for those jobs, things like that. And if we're talking about a population that's coming in, that's going to take lower wages and benefits and things like that, we, we don't like that. And so it ended up being what we're affectionately called the masters of the universe versus your grassroots conservatives. And because McCain and others and the president wanted to advance that, that objective, I think Sessions was the pushback. He was the foil there. I think given Alabama's more grassroots nature, other than a major hub of lots of business, um, it, it's understandable why he would be engaging the fight where he did.
1: When the amnesty plan fell flat, Congress and the President came up with the DREAM Act, a compromise that would grant citizenship to undocumented immigrants who came to the country as children and grew up in the U.S. Many Republicans considered it a compassionate measure. Without citizenship, these young people often couldn't attend college or work. And most hadn't chosen to enter the country illegally but had come along with desperate parents. Isabel Rubio started HECA a couple years before the DREAM Act. And she reached out to Sessions, hoping to persuade him to support the bill.
3: Early on, when we were doing this work, when really I guess the Dream Act sort of appeared uh, on the landscape, we sent a letter to him. This was probably in two thousand and two, I would imagine, and um, asking for when that was up in the Senate to you know for his consideration and his support of that. And and we got a letter back uh, saying that no, he would not be supporting that because it took benefits away from Alabama kids and and other kids who needed those benefits. So, you know, we we go back that far with him. And I think that, you know, unfortunately, it's, it's unfortunate for Alabama and for the immigrant community in Alabama that he is sort of connected with us in that way.
1: The DREAM Act failed, but efforts to reform the immigration system and grant amnesty to millions of undocumented immigrants persisted throughout the Bush presidency and into Obama's. Republican politicians spearheaded many of these efforts, including Bush and Republican Senator John McCain of Arizona. But not Sessions, who had positioned himself as a staunch opponent of immigration reform. Isabel Rubio said they stopped hoping they could change his mind. You know, when you do this kind of work, you have to think about
3: where can you make impact because we have limited resources both in time and money, and why waste any time or money on something that is on on in a place where we know that we won't have any return.
5: That in Sessions made it clear that immigration or anti-immigration would be his signature agenda item, and so he led in Congress any efforts to stop any immigration reform bill from passing. And so he made it very clear that he was not an ally to the work that we do.
1: If Sessions seemed outside the mainstream among GOP senators, he certainly wasn't in Alabama. Anti-immigrant sentiment increased in his home state, even as Congress tried to reach a compromise on the issue. In 2010, lawmakers in Arizona passed a tough anti-immigration law to increase surveillance and deportation of undocumented immigrants. A year later, Alabama followed suit with an even harsher law. That law, HB 56, required schools to ask about immigration status and blocked undocumented immigrants from most civil services. It prohibited people from renting property to undocumented immigrants or even giving them a ride. It also allowed police to use any reasonable suspicion to stop people and ask for proof of citizenship. The law was tough, so tough that many waited calmly while it was challenged in court. Then a federal district judge let most of the law stand. Many immigrants in Alabama fled the state. Some schools in rural areas reported huge swaths of empty seats the first school day after the judge's ruling but there would be appeals and new challenges. Churches would sue and activists would sue, and slowly over time, the federal courts would block the harshest sections of the act. Here's Carlos Aleman, deputy director of HICA.
5: Though we have to also recognize that in 2011, when HB 56 passed, Hispanics only make up 4% of the state population, and so it's an outsized, reactionary effort to very much um, villainize a very small portion of the populace.
1: Now we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the time Jeff Sessions actually tried to help a Muslim from Syria come to the U.S. Hey
4: folks, this is Ike Morgan. I'm a journalist with AL.com and they let me host this little daily news briefing that we call down in Alabama. It's designed both for Alexa users and podcast listeners, and it'll take up less than five minutes of your time. Each weekday, we briefly talk about three to five stories that relate to Alabama. Now, sometimes it might include the top news of the day, but we also like to mention something you might have otherwise missed, or news trends that help tell the story of our state, or items that are just the most Alabama things we've heard lately. Again, we're called Down in Alabama. You can search for us on the major podcast platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. If you have an Alexa device, we're a perfect Alabama addition to your flash briefing. Either way, y'all come on by and listen anytime. We'll be down in Alabama.
1: Welcome back, Wreckin' listeners. Even though federal courts blocked many parts of the law, it still devastated many immigrant communities. We should be clear here that Jeff Sessions served in the U.S. Senate at the time, and state lawmakers crafted the bill. But Carlos Alaman, deputy director at HECA, said the sentiments that prompted the law came straight from the state's junior senator. But if Sessions took a strong stand on immigration policy, on a personal level, he showed more sympathy. Kareem Shamsi Basha is a photographer and writer from Damascus, Syria, who became a proud U.S. citizen and Alabamian.
6: I don't kiss the ground every morning but that's my thinking that I do a meditation every morning and I you know, Muslims when they pray they put their forehead on the on the ground as a I don't I don't do that per se, but I, I meditate and I I wanna kiss the ground every morning because I live in a free, safe country and my kids are growing up not dodging bullets and bombs for eight years like my friends in Syria have been. Every hair on my body standing straight up right now. It's, I'm besides myself that I'm raising my children here.
1: Several years ago, he tried to arrange a visit from his sister, who still lived in Syria, which was then mired in a civil war. Since the U.S. Embassy was closed, she traveled to Beirut to make her visa application, which was denied. Shamsi Basha appealed to Senator Jeff Sessions.
6: Because my sister in Syria was refused a visa, So I figured I would go to my official. That's what they're there for. And I called his uh, office manager. I can't remember her name. She said, well, Mr. Sessions would like to meet you. And I said, sure. And so I went, I met with him. We sat for like 10 minutes. He said, I'll write you a letter. And I said, OK, that'd be great. He wrote me a letter. And I picked it up the next day and... um, I have it somewhere. (laughs) But it basically said, please grant Mimi Shamsi Basha a visa to come to the United States. She's just visiting. She's not going to stay. I can guarantee that. Blah, blah, blah. It's a very, very nice letter.
1: The letter didn't work, but it wasn't Sessions' fault. Shamsi Basha said he has a hard time reconciling the man who graciously wrote a letter for his sister with the one who supported President Donald Trump's Muslim ban. Years after the letter, Shamsi Basha saw Sessions again, who remembered him and asked about his sister. Sessions was kind, he said, and gracious. As the years passed, Sessions' position on immigration policy has not changed. If anything, it's hardened. In 2013, early in Obama's second term, a bipartisan group of senators produced a massive immigration overhaul bill. It had overwhelming support in the Senate. Sessions distinguished himself by becoming the most vocal opponent of the bill. He said it would benefit big business by creating a pool of cheap labor and hurt low-income Americans. A majority of senators supported the bill alongside the deep-pocketed business community. Sessions looked like David battling Goliath, and like David, he won.
0: And soon, they said, the gang of eight would have a bill. That, having been blessed by these powerful special interests, uh, that they had invited to the meetings would be delivered to the Senate floor masters of the universe that they are all for us to adopt without complaint and with celebration.
1: Sessions found a like-minded partner in Trump who launched his campaign for president by trashing immigrants.
7: When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. They're not sending you. They're not sending you. They're sending people that have lots of problems, and they're bringing those problems with us. They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists. And some, I assume, are good people. But I speak to border guards, and they tell us what we're getting. And it only makes common sense. It only makes common sense. They're sending us not the right people. It's coming from more than Mexico. It's coming from all over South and Latin America, and it's coming Probably, probably from the Middle East, but we don't know because we have no protection and we have no competence. We don't know what's happening and it's got to stop and it's got to stop fast.
1: Eight months after that speech, Sessions endorsed Trump at a campaign appearance in Mobile. This was notable in two ways. Sessions hadn't endorsed a candidate before Trump. And he was the first sitting U.S. senator to support the real estate developer turned TV star in his bid for the presidency. Of course, both men mentioned immigration, one of the issues they had in common. Trump's election shocked the immigrant community. Here's Isabel Rubio of HECA speaking about the aftermath.
3: I was thinking of the moment of of election night and just how we had to deal with the aftermath of that here and just all of the fear and unknown. Among the staff, you know, we had to have an all staff meeting. No, we had a room full of crying people because people in the office didn't know what their fate was gonna be. And there have been so many moments and and so many of our coworkers put on a brave face every day and come to work, but we know that they are not always fully present because of the things that might impact them or their family members, you know, that are in the hand of the, of the administration right now.
1: After Trump's election, Sessions' influence on immigration policy became clear. Stephen Miller, a far-right political activist who'd worked for Sessions, became a senior policy advisor in the White House. Then Trump elevated Sessions to U.S. Attorney General. The administration quickly began making moves. Trump enacted the Muslim ban, which went through several changes before it was finally upheld by the U.S. Supreme Court in 2018. And then, earlier this year, federal officials began quietly separating parents and children at the border, a policy that provoked widespread outrage. Here's then-Attorney General Jeff Sessions announcing the policy in San Diego.
0: If you are smuggling a child, then we will prosecute you, and that child may be separated from you as required by
1: law. According to Trump and Sessions, the policy was supposed to keep people from crossing the border. In less than a decade, the nation switched from a GOP president in favor of amnesty to a Republican administration dedicated to clamping down on immigration. To the folks who have opposed the policy, Family separation stands on par with legal efforts to block Jews and Eastern Europeans from entering the country and alongside Japanese internment during World War II, which have been recognized as blights on American history. Here's Hika's Carlos Aleman.
5: I think that Sessions in many ways accomplished what he set out to do in terms of immigration policy that historically we will look back, th- look back at this as a dark chapter in American history, in which we return to these kind of nativist sentiments.
1: Ultimately, none of that really mattered to Trump after Sessions recused himself from the Russia investigation. The president skewered his attorney general until he finally asked him to resign after the midterms. When it comes to his legacy, it'll probably come down to immigration or recusal. Depending on how the Mueller investigation shakes out, Sessions could be remembered as a man who stood on his convictions and protected an investigation that took down his boss. But he could also be remembered as the man who helped separate thousands of parents and children who came to America in search of a better life. Many of those families have not been reunited. All of this presumes that his political life is over. Sessions, at 71, could bow out of politics, but he hasn't closed the door completely. He recently spoke in Montgomery, where he praised Trump and his policies and mostly stayed mum about his future.
0: So personally, I'm attempting to chill out a bit, and uh, you can be sure I don't follow the tweets as closely as I used to. Having served in the Department of Justice almost 15 years, plus 20 on the Judiciary Committee, I well knew that AGs frequently face difficult choices and decisions, and which almost inevitably creates some controversy. But this very public adventure, I gotta say, exceeded my expectations, I'll tell you. Uh, So, i got to say, I'm proud of President Trump's policy agenda and to have had a part in it.
1: The first Alabamian to serve as U.S. Attorney General was back in Alabama. And who knows where he's going from there. Thanks for listening. This has been recused by Reckon Radio. It was hosted and produced by yours truly, with additional reporting by John Hammontree. Special thanks to Lita Gore, Challen Stevens, and Kelly Scott. And thanks to Ramsey Archibald, who designed the logo. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, review us, and share with your friends.